0: Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, I'm super excited to have Clinton and Charity Munoz, also known as Restored to More, helping couples heal from sexual brokenness, betrayal trauma, sexual addiction as a unit and one of the other young and -and up-and-coming ministries, which are so, so needed. So thank you for being here and doing what you do. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you for having us. We feel honored. We feel blessed that we got connected to you and uh, we're excited for today's interview.
2: Thank you for saying our last name right. That's what I want to say, (laughs) because that was amazing. And you you nailed it. And I feel like we always are like, what are they saying? So that was great. You did a great job saying our last name. And we're stoked to be with you, Drew, for sure. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks, man. I'm glad I got it right. (laughs) So now you have been restored to more Mm. before it was not that way. Mm -hmm. And so on today's episode, I think it would be so powerful just to hear your story. Yeah. To hear where has God taken you
2: mm.
0: individually and as a couple? Mm. So take us back all the way to the beginning. How mm. did it start?
1: So one day my mom and dad met and i uh,
2: just kidding.
1: No, but I'll, on a serious note, so... Yeah, uh, you know, I think for Clinton and I, where we were at in our relationship is we we fell hard and we fell hard fast. Mm-hmm. It was we uh, met as friends in August. Then we were dating for four months, engaged for four months. We were married, so we were married that next August. And before we had gotten married, we Clinton had touched, um, you know, on the surface a little bit, like hey. I just want to let you know my past. I want to let you know, um, you know, who I am before you get married to me. Well, he did a good job kind of sharing the good and like sugarcoating the bad. So what I mean by that is we had a conversation. We were sitting on the couch and he's sharing with me like, hey, pornography used to be a past thing. It's not anymore. Um, it led me to do things I'm not proud of and um, and and told me those things. Um, and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, well, it's okay. Like, but that's not who you are today. You know, I just believed in the best. And I said like, Hey, I got my own sexual brokenness and baggage too. And it's all going to be good from here on out. You know, as long as you're not struggling now and you're good and you're being honest, like awesome. And so that's kind of all that, um, he said, and we agreed upon and then we're like, okay, let's move forward. And so do you want to add anything to that?
2: Yeah, sure. Pornography had... Started at 11 years old. It had um, just continued. So the, I, I was the guy that I really believed that every time I struggled and I prayed, that that was going to be the last time, you know, because I just, I knew God was a God that could save. Um, I knew that God loved me. And and then I came crashing down probably the next day that I would relapse and mess up. And so it went from, you know, something that I struggled once a week to twice a week to twice a day and three times a day and in college when I had my own dorm room and my roommate was gone a lot for, um, just for all the, uh, athletic stuff he did sports. I just was like alone in a dorm with a computer and found ways to get around all the different blocking software and all that stuff. And, um, I think the hardest thing which we shared drew was loving Jesus and hating pornography yeah. and understanding how does God love me, even though I'm still struggling with this. And how do I love myself? Because it, as much as I hated pornography, I started to hate me. And there was a lot of, okay, I'll just be somebody that's accepted. I'll just I'll just perform well. So I led worship. I led Bible studies. I was a volunteer for so many church ministries. I worked hard. I had jobs. I, I made money. I, I did all these things. I had, I had great internships. I was like I was even like the poster child for my college that I went to, like literally actually on a lot of posters. And, and it was like, you know, I just became this person that everyone thought was amazing. while inside I just was like, if you really knew me, you'd never want to talk to me. And, um, and so because I believed I was really undesirable at the core of my being, I never thought that if charity really knew me, that she would accept me. And, and, and so I took a, a baby step and I told her about some past brokenness and she didn't reject me. She had compassion but I was not willing to share what was really going on at that same moment for fear of rejection. And uh, I really battle with rejection, even to this day still at times I don't feel always accepted. And so that began the journey. And Now fast forward, charity found out obviously that it wasn't behind me two years into our marriage. She discovered a bunch of pornography on my phone and confronted me. I, I, we sought help from a pastor who maybe was well-meaning, but was not educated at all on how to actually heal from this told charity that she needs to become more creative sexually. And that the reason why I was showing that we weren't having enough sex, which again, as, a, as somebody who's shown sexual addiction, you're like excited that the pastor is saying that you're like, Oh, that sounds great. Let's have more sex. Yeah, let's do it. Yet deep down, you know that it's not going to solve anything. Cause no matter how many times I could masturbate in a day, it never took away the desire or pain so you just, so you knew it wasn't going to fix anything. And then he told me that I need to memorize more scripture. So I went to like being a, a Bible thumper. Like I, even though I knew the Bible, I was like, you're right. I just need to memorize more of God's word. And it became so legalistic that no matter what, like we're going to fail that. Right. We, works are not how we receive salvation. Right, and right. so when we're trying to work our way to that, I think we're just doing the wrong thing. And so that began the journey of that. And, and then it didn't solve anything. So I just went back to hiding.
0: It makes and, me so angry.
2: Oh, man, I know. know. You
0: were vulnerable and teachable and ready. Mm. And he handed you such poor, misinformed advice that ultimately encouraged you to continue objectifying charity.
2: Yeah, produced more shame in every area.
0: And then that affected you too, Charity, right? Because he's saying that you have to do something.
1: Oh, for sure. I... I then put the the addiction and the problem on me. Like I was the one now, okay, if you're telling me it's me, then that means I can fix it. Mm. Well, how much shame does that create if I'm trying to fix it and I'm becoming this different person, I'm doing things I normally wouldn't do, I'm becoming uncomfortable because this is what I, is, is now my role as a wife, as a, a submissive wife, and it's not working. And so there's so much shame, like, man, like, I'm really messed up, like, I, I'm not good enough. And so then we both just started isolating. It became sex just became a task. It became something to do out of fear for me that if I don't have sex with him, then he's going to relapse or he's going to look at porn and I don't want that. And so it just became pretty much like a, okay, let's just mm. do it.
2: And I think what's so hard Drew, is two years later, fast forward, she finds out again, this time we have our first child and he is about 18 months old. We have our second child on the way due in like a month, four weeks, yeah. due in four weeks. And I think what's so hard is that as a Christian who reads God's word and understand what God intended for marriage, you, you get that it's supposed to be enjoyable, desirable. It's supposed to be this image that actually influences and inspires the world. Because as Christ comes and loves the church, so we are to be that example of two people united that leave our old ways, that leave our mother and father and join as one. And we are sitting there and we are starving for that picture. Like I get emotional times because it's like we believe with all of our heart that God intended us to be thriving in marriage, enjoying one another, celebrating our marriage with sex. We think that sex is a celebration of connection. Right and so it's not like you do it out of fear or out of desire but you're you're celebrating with sex because you're emotionally connected and in, intellectually connected you're you're recreationally intimacy connected I mean there's all these different connection points and we were like we are not only not experiencing that we are dying in our relation and so that led us to almost getting divorced 4 years into our marriage pornography being yes a major issue that led to intimacy deficiency but we also didn't even know how to be vulnerable on each other. We didn't know how to be emotionally intimate. Charity wasn't a great listener, <laughs> and I love her, but she just didn't really know how. To, she was never showed how to how, how to listen well. I wasn't ever taught how to communicate my feelings well. So we had all these areas that impacted unwanted sexual behavior, and then we were, were impacted by unwanted sexual behavior. It was both, and so we were just like, "What do we do?" and I have a story that it's crazy that you mentioned that. I get emotional. I started crying when you said that because that wasn't the first time I was willing to be open about my issue. Hmm. I was open with pastors and mentors and church deacons and youth pastors, probably about nine different times. I had entered the space of I'm willing to do what it takes to get free. Please show me what to do. And every time it ended in bad advice. And that's, that's really where restored to more came out of when charity came to me and was like, hey, I really want to share our story on a podcast. When we started, fast forward now, about three years, we started getting some healing under our belt and understanding what it looked like to, to really walk in freedom, not just not just sobriety from a behavior, but actually recovery. And, and, our, our, and we found out ways to heal our relationship. And again, that's all by God's grace that he showed us how to enter into those different levels of intimacy so that we can have a thriving relationship. And Charity comes to me and says, hey, I want to start a podcast we were we were doing entrepreneurship endeavors full time. So it was just a side deal we were going to do. I'm like, Hey, I prayed about it. And I felt like I was like, yes, like Clinton, don't you wish you had a podcast yeah. when you were 12 years old to listen to. Mm-hmm. And that was why we started Restored and More. We never envisioned it turning into any of this. I mean, literally, if you had told me then, oh, you're going to actually have a ministry full time. I'm like, yeah, no, definitely. Not. <laughs> First of all, I don't want to talk about my story all the time. Like, Maybe once every once in a while, okay, but not all the time. And it just birthed into this because there was such a need. And so many people started reaching out saying like, we need help. We need help. We need help.
0: I resonate with that. We didn't dream about this. Hmm. We didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to do this with my life and be that couple or be that guy. And it really came out of your story of suffering. Mm, Yeah. So, you got to that breaking point about four years in yeah. where divorce was on the table.
2: Yeah.
0: It was maybe going to happen. When did things start to change?
1: I would say it, you know, it wasn't just like this magical, oh my goodness, you know, now we're on the road of recovery and only up from here. You know, I feel <laughs> like it was. Uh, process and uh, it really it was a journey for sure it was, I think Clinton, um, just getting around the right people at the right time and, uh, just getting around real people, sharing his story, being accepted, um, getting an accountability partner and really just owning him and his story and his struggle. Uh, that's where we really started seeing change for Clinton is when he was digging deep, he was going to the roots. Um, he was really, you know, reading into more of who he is, why he, does things and um, going to the root of, of unhealed wounds that were there. And for me, it was more so realizing in the beginning, I had thought that once he started recovery and even getting sobriety, then our marriage is going to go back to normal. It was going to, you know, it was going to thrive. It was going to be great. Once he got this addiction out of his life, then we're going to be good. And that just was not the case. What I realized is he was coming home from these groups and he was so fired up and he was, he was starting to feel freedom in his life for the first time. And he, now where I was at is he had just, he had placed all that shame and that hurt onto me. And cause I had already been living in freedom. You know, I wasn't hiding anything. I wasn't, mm. you know, I, I was vulnerable. I was always showing him Hey, this is all of me. I wasn't perfect by any means. I definitely had a lot of past sexual brokenness and things like that that played into our relationship. And But there was this sense of, now he's starting to walk in freedom, but I'm still feeling all this shame and, yeah. and just this hurt and frustration from what porn had, how it had impacted me.
0: So he was getting better. Mm-hmm. And yet, meanwhile, your symptoms were getting worse. And I remember you saying physically mm-hmm. things started to deteriorate.
1: Oh yeah. I was, um, having really bad sciatic pain in my lower back. And I also was like losing my memory. I was, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I was becoming really depressed. My hair started falling out and, uh, no drive for life and lost so much weight. It was just, I was in the worst, I think probably one of the worst places in my life ever, uh, was when he started recovery, which sounds like, man, you should be so happy. He's, he's starting recovery. He's in groups and he's seeing more freedom and he's experiencing freedom. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome for him. But this has crushed my soul and impacted me in ways that I didn't even know how to comprehend and explain to people.
2: I think too, like for the first time, correct if I'm wrong, but like once I started going to other people, maybe there was a small sense of, okay, now I can feel what this has done to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like you just had to, for lack of a better word, like man up mm-hmm. in the marriage, in the relationship with the children. And here I am, I'm starting to discover freedom. And maybe there's a part of your brain that's like, okay, now now you can tend to your wounds. You can stop running on adrenaline now. And you can actually admit what's going on. And I felt like the very minute that you admitted it affected you because you lived in denial for a long time. Like, I'm fine. It's between you and God. Okay, well, you struggled again. Like, I would be like, yo, I want you to know, like, I struggle with pornography. Like, okay, well, it's like it's between you and God. And there was this denial that it's affected me. Mm-hmm. And the minute you were able to be like, it's actually greatly affected me, boom, like your body felt the full effect of everything that I had caused you to feel.
1: Yeah, it wasn't until another woman counselor validated my pain and feelings of, Hey, what he is doing is impacting you. Even so much to the degree that you could say he's been cheating on you. And I had felt that, but nobody talks about it that way. Everybody normalizes pain and the struggle yeah. and that all guys look at it. It's every man's battle and that's normal. And guys have needs. And if you're not going to have sex with them, you know, every day, then they're going to get it out somewhere else. And so I had justified it and justified it, but yet it felt so wrong to me and it hurt me so bad, but I didn't feel like I could feel that pain because nobody else was admitting that it was hurting them and that it was wrong. And it was this sinful thing. And so when finally another person validated what I had felt for such a long time, I was like, (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: like felt all my emotions. I was like, yes, it hurts. Mm. It's not fair. And I feel unworthy and unloved and, you know, just all these things. And then my body just, it had, it's like you can only put so much in until it explodes. And that's kind of what happened is my body started really showing outward signs of, Hey, you can't keep this in any longer. You really need to process and, um, and just get some strong women around you to help you in this season.
0: So that's when, you both started getting support.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No longer one sided. Yes. Yeah. Then what happened next?
2: Yeah. Then I think what happened from there was that we still had a deficit. And this is really where Restored to More found its niche. Yeah. Is that we? I was going to my groups. She was going to her groups. I had a therapist. She had a therapist. We had people that were in the journey with us who were willing to help us. And that was great. But we started to develop intimacies in those groups that we didn't know how to cultivate at home. Mm. I don't know if you ever had that, Drew. I don't know if you ever experienced that. But like all of a sudden I go to these groups. Yeah. There's all these guys that are like accepting me and loving on me and praying for me. And then I'm having these new discoveries with my therapist. And he's like walking me through my past childhood traumas and stuff that I felt neglected and that led to bad behaviors. And I come home and I just there's such a desire to share those with my wife. I just want her to, to be like, oh my gosh, babe, I'm so sorry that you went through that as a kid. And I want, I want her to experience the compassion that I now have for myself for the first time in my life. And she's not able to because she's in pain and she's hurting. And so you're just like, how do we connect? And I come home and I'm like, she's like, how was group? And I'm like, it was really cool. Actually, I want, and she's like, I don't, I don't care. And I'm like, okay, you know, and it's not that she didn't care. It's that right now she couldn't because she's going through her own stuff. And so even as we discovered healing on ourselves, our marriage wasn't getting that much better. And that was what was like, wait, what? Like we thought that if she is in recovery, I'm in recovery, <laughs> we're gonna, just going to automatically be in recovery in a relationship. And we found that it doesn't always happen. And so we had to go on this journey of discovering how do you re-engage in intimacy? And we say intimacy, we do not mean just sex. Sexual intimacy is one among many other levels of intimacy, emotional, recreational, intellectual, all these different things. And so we had to learn how to go, you know what, let's actually take baby steps into rebuilding us. I was already rebuilding him. She was rebuilding her. But how do you rebuild us? And instead of looking back on our dating life and thinking that was the best time we were ever going to have, we believed, again, that, that belief that God had more for our relationship. So it was like, okay, God, how do we experience that today? And how do we, because, and then what happened here was so revolutionary. We found that crisis can be used to create closeness. Let's go. And so now we discovered that actually, because we had gone through this demolition of our relationship, we had now had this ground level that God could actually comb through and get the soil ready for something brand new, something that was better than before. Yeah, Something that, that was never experienced before because we hadn't gone through serious crisis. And so we began to understand the opportunity that was present for our relationship to thrive and be closer together. And and that, yeah, that's where we, that, that just boom. So we started working on that slowly. It didn't happen overnight, but slowly regaining those intimacies back in our relationship to a point where we were excited to be together, where I came home and I I would be gone for five minutes and I want to call her because I just want to talk to her again. I would think about her at a coffee shop and I would go, hey, let me get you something. Or she would make a meal for me just because she wanted to do it. You know, we would look forward to date night. Date night became not a task, but a necessity because we like wanted to be together. We started going on a trip every once or twice a year. Like, hey, we gotta get a center. We gotta put the kids with grandparents because we need to go to Cabo. Like we gotta go find something fun to do. And we started prioritizing our relationship again texting each other heart emojis and laughing and and funny Mm -hmm. gifts back and forth and making TikTok videos because we just wanted to be funny again and (laughs) and have fun and then one went viral and we were on MTV and we're like what happened and we just started re-engaging and it was like wow this is this is better than when we were dating because now we are in love and not and it's not an unawareness of the person that's there. We are in love and we are fully aware of you being fully broken. We are fully aware of all the shortcomings. And I still love you and I desire to be with you. And it was a whole new level of intimacy that we had never experienced before. Sorry for getting all fired up on you. <laughs> I don't know if I need to apologize or not, but I'm like yelling at the mic.
0: You to. I love it, it because that's your name. Restored to more, not restored to what it was before. Yes. Restored to better. Mm. Yeah. Even better than it was before. Charity, how would you describe it?
1: Yeah. You know, there were moments in times I remember in recovery thinking, like, man, I just wish things were back to normal. Or mm. honestly, like, this is sad and sad to say, but I remember thinking, like, I just wish he would look at porn again because his emotions were so all over the place. Because for the first time, he wasn't soothing them like we had talked about previously on our podcast, with right? The pacifier, with the yeah. pacifier. He was actually feeling for the first time where I, was, I wasn't i was used to that. I was used to him. Everything's good. Everything's <laughs> fine. Be, or if he did get mad, maybe it was for like a minute or so, but then I didn't know that, you know, what he was doing to cope with his anger, but he was using porn. And so it was smooth sailing. Like it, felt good temporarily. Right. But in reality, like I didn't know who I was married to and he was living a double life and he couldn't feel like he could be himself, which is so sad because that is not what marriage was intended to be. And so I remember feeling that way in recovery. And there'd be times where we would both just be so angry and so frustrated and just, or in grief and grieving our, our old marriage and just believing like, man, like it's got to get better than this. But it totally gave us the opportunity to get to know each other on a deeper level, to uh, build closeness, like Clinton was talking about, to rebuild intimacy in ways that were never even there. You know, like the marriage that we have today is something that we pride ourselves on Mm -hmm. because we worked so hard and we worked hard together. It wasn't just Clinton in the backyard, like digging up the roots by himself. It was me too, because I was willing because I saw him grow. I was willing to get dirty too and say like, Hey, I know there's things here that I'm also working on and dealing with. And, and what, what root, like if he's going to go deep, I might as well go deep so that we can have a fresh, clean start and really learn how God intended marriage to be. And that's what we did. And it was not easy by any means. And there was a lot of emotions and a lot of real raw emotions because we were both feeling them for the first time and not compressing them Mm -hmm. and accepting each other through them. And there was also a lot of trial and error in it. I mean, even our sex life, like you were talking about on our podcast, what does it look like now to have a clean, healthy, safe sex life? Because For such a long time, there was either erectile dysfunction, there was Clinton was, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but he was thinking about porn while we were having sex just so he could get to climax. And so now our sex life looked very different where now I have, you know, we're engaging in in sexual intimacy and I have triggers coming up, right? I'm thinking Mm. of um, is he thinking of somebody else? Am I being used? How did he know how to do this? Is this from porn? You know, there's, it adds such a different dynamic yet at the same time, if you learn how to communicate it in a safe and healthy way, well, then your sex life can be better mm. than it what it was before. And you guys are doing it out of an affection because you love one another and you are celebrating each other. And that's what we got to learn. We got to learn so much on the recovery journey because we were willing.
0: It's really cool. To watch the two of you talk about all this together. Because the way that you look at each other,
2: Mm.
0: non-verbally communicates so much of that transparency Mm. and love and acceptance. Mm. Like while Clinton is talking or while Charity is talking, if you can't see it on the video, they are so present. Mm. And I hear you saying that you became present to what was there. Even the messiest stuff. Even the most difficult stuff. And as you did, so you actually found that, Hey, we can even love and be loved there and those things. And in so doing you had a real marriage with a real person.
2: And I can't help but I'm like tearing up. Cause it's so true. Like I'm just hearing Cherry talk and I'm just so thankful that she didn't turn the tell. you know, she had every reason to, like, I think there's a lot of people that use those scriptures that say, like, if you've been cheated on, you know, you, you have the right, you know, and uh, she had all the rights to leave. She could have totally walked away. And I was just talking with a friend yesterday, and when someone's like, Charity, why didn't you leave? And she's like, well, what happened was I talked to God, and God pointed me back to my husband. And I just, I feel so bad for those couples that don't have Jesus as the pillar of their relationship because he is the cornerstone, not only of the faith, but also of a relationship. Like if we reject that cornerstone, Mm -hmm. the whole building comes down. Like, I don't know how people know what a cornerstone is because we don't really build that way anymore. But the cornerstone was this humongous block that, every, that they would use for all these bricks, and it would go around it. So that cornerstone, so if you're building a building or a wall, picture building a, a four-wall building, there was this big rock that would go on one of the corners, and they would, they would leverage all the other bricks, these cement bricks or these granite bricks. They would use those against the cornerstone, and that cornerstone would hold the whole building. It's so crazy. The other three corners were putting their weight on that cornerstone. And that's how they could construct a huge building with even multiple rooms based off the strength of that cornerstone. And just like the faith, Christ is the cornerstone that the builders rejected, which is why spirituality is all over the place. And it's a total mess in our world today. And people are so unsatisfied. The divorce rates high, the suicide rates high, the anxiety rates are through the roof because we've rejected that. But even in a marriage that we, if we didn't rely on Christ, we would not be married today. If charity hadn't gone to Jesus, she would have probably listened to the world and would have left. And so for me, I just think about like, not only i I grateful to charity, but I'm so thankful that we have Christ who is an advocate for our relationship. Like I tell guys all the time, Hey man, the best relationship to develop is Jesus because he's the best wingman you will ever have. Like he, he will meet with your wife And he will actually reach into her heart and her soul and he will turn her back to you in a way that you can't or a book can't or a podcast can't or a mom can't like he will do things in their heart that you can't do and vice versa, right? The woman can be praying for their husband and praying for his salvation. And, and as a couple and as a spouse prays for their spouse, like it is incredible to see what Jesus does because our relationship is a result of Jesus. Like first and foremost, I know like what you said. And it's like, yes, I'm thankful that God gave us the capacity to work on our relationship. And without him, we would have never been able to work on our relationship. So he comes first before we ever take any kind of credit.
1: So good.
0: Yeah. It's so well said because it's easy to either depend on God and then not do the work. Or try really hard to do the work and not depend on God. It's good, yeah. It's true. So I hear you saying that without God, none of it's possible. And we need to work on our relationship as if it all depends on Him. Mm -hmm. Yep. You nailed it. The emotions reveal the restoration, right? That's what (laughs) we were talking about. Porn is no longer regulating you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you can experience the heights and the depths yeah. of your heart and someone else's heart. And the heart of Christ. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That is so it good. is. It is. Woo. Hey. I am fascinated by how you two were able to do all of this while taking care of young children.
2: Mm.
0: How did that play a role in your story?
2: I got let Charity share first on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could uh, Clinton started recovery when we had an 18 month old and a newborn. So that's where the kind of piece was where I thought like, okay, our marriage is going to get better. I'm going to let him do his thing. And then I'm going to just like be the wife and the mom to these children and uh, just suppress everything. So that's when I started getting really bad. And um, we talk about this a lot now coming from, you know, a couple of years now down the road and looking back and being like, man, like that was such a difficult season. And the reason it was really difficult is obviously what we're going through. And at the same time, I wasn't really there for my my middle child, Mm. um, our newborn, because that's who was born in the thick uh, knee deep of recovery. And
2: all oh, your pain that you're going through.
1: Yeah. I just emotionally, I couldn't be there for him. And, um, I don't blame myself for like who he is today. Cause he's an amazing little boy. He's so sweet. Um, he's our middle child. Cause now we have a third, but he, there was a big, like growth journey uh, in parenting him. Um, uh, just because you can tell that he just didn't receive as much attention, as much love than our first child did because I, I couldn't even do it. I, I, all I, all I felt like I could do was just wake up and feed him and then go back to bed. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty much all I could do for a solid like three, maybe even five months. And I just felt, I really had to mourn kind of the neglect that I had given to him um, and just And grieved over that because I felt really, really guilty for a while, just like blaming myself. Like, man, like I should have been there more for him. But and I don't get me wrong, like he was fed, he was well taken care of, but I just wasn't able to experience that mother-son bonding time that you have with a newborn because I just wasn't physically present.
2: I think too, and I saw Charity do well, and I think what we did well, again, all by the grace of God, was that we, it's almost that idea of when your plane's going down and they tell you to put on your oxygen mask first before you help your child, because if you don't put it on, you'll probably pass out and they'll pass out. So it's like both die. And we wanted it so bad that our marriage would work. It wouldn't end in divorce. And so we had to prioritize us over our kids. And, mm-hmm. and I think that was the true epitome of us using our kids as a reason and not an excuse. Because we could have easily said, oh, we have newborn kids. Like, I can't commit to therapy right now. It's expensive. Um, you know, they have to go to these things and we, have, we have, I have to raise them and I have to do this stuff. And so we, we sacrificed what we thought was necessary for us to still be married today. And I'm, I know for a fact when our kids are old enough to comprehend that, they will thank us for that. They will not say, you know, I just wish you had made me organic food all day long. I wish you had just got a food processor and made everything organic. I I, I wish you had had, you know, done more of these things. I wish you had painted our walls in the nursery. I really felt neglected by no paint in the walls. I I know that there might be things that they have to work through for sure because of that time. I don't doubt that. However, I think it would have been more damaging for us to not prioritize our own healing journey and to spend the money and the time going through therapy. The, the, the time of self-reflection, which I know self-care can be a word that is now unfortunately being transformed into something kind of more like self-worship versus actual self-care. But when we taught self-care, it's really a reflection time with God, going away with the Lord and, and being with Him and asking for His perspective and just sitting in the pain, like you said, mourning a relationship that you thought was there that wasn't. And so when we taught self-care, those were really vital things to our relationship going away with with another husband or another wife or somebody else to help me and charity allowing me to have that space to sit with my sponsor or go to the groups I needed to go to. And so we really supported each other in the recovery journey and did our kids maybe not have us as much as we would have loved to be there? Yeah, but we also feel like we can make up now for lost time. And we believe that God is gracious and he's restoring the years the locusts have taken. He's bringing that back Full force, where we can now be present parents. We, I believe that we are better. We, we're the best parents we could have been because of us going through recovery.
1: Yeah, we knew like if we aren't able to work on this and be able to talk about it, then how in the world are we going to talk about it with our kids? Healthy sexuality, like emotional starts,
2: awareness, <sighs> all those things.
1: our feelings, yeah. identifying our feelings, and then learning how to, um, you know, cope with them and, and in a healthy way. And if we can't do that ourselves, how in the world are we going to teach our kids? And so we we prioritized our own self-care, healthiness and recovery is our first priority because our kids needed it. And it makes me so sad when I hear, you know, oh, well, just my wife's really busy right now because we have kids or, you know, we're in the newborn stages. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. the exact reason why you need to prioritize this because your kids are going to need this so that you guys can be the best version of yourself and they can look up to you and say, I want a relationship like mommy and daddy. Yes. You know? So that's, yeah, <sighs> that's what we did.
0: That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Breaking generational curses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because yeah. if you didn't prioritize this work and each other, then they would be doomed to repeat the same patterns as adults. Mm-hmm. Instead, they get to learn those same skills that you all learned because you yeah. had to. And now you get to pass that legacy on.
2: Yeah, I think it really is what you're saying. You're like, there's a prioritization, right? And the way we prioritize is always with our money and our time. And those that are willing to sacrifice the most, gain the most. And that's with the Lord, obviously, right? We, we, we actually find our life by losing it, by, by laying it down we is the only way we can actually pick it up. And I think the same thing with our marriages and our relationships, like how many times I I meet men and it's like, Hey, I I know that I, my job actually makes me struggle and I can't do this. And I'm tempted when I'm away and, and I'm like, Oh, but I got to put food on the table. And again, it's like going back to using it as an excuse instead of a reason. Like what do your kids want more? Like the fancy organic food that you can provide for with your meat, with your job or a dad that loves their mom. I'll never forget talking to a mentor named, his name is Gail and he was just a man of God, awesome person. And, and I was like, hey, and this is in the middle of my addiction, I was like, hey, he's like, how's it going, man? And I'm like, you know, yeah, it's going good. I've, I've only been struggling like once a month with pornography, which is a lot better than before. And, you know, and, and I was grateful that it wasn't every day. And he's a guy that's pretty straight up he's like, yeah, okay, he's like, that is great, man, that it's not as frequent, for sure it shows growth. And he was affirming and he was nice and he was a safe person, but he also, I, w- I gave him the ability to speak truth. And he was like, so how would your kids react if you sat them down? And he said, Hey, so just so you guys know, I only cheat on your mom once a month now. Hmm. And, the, and he was like, how would you respond if your dad sat you down? And today, hey, listen, I'm not cheating all the time, but just once a month I go and I do this with another person. And I just was like, wow. Like I never thought of it like that. Like how do your, how do kids respond To seeing their parents not prioritize their marriage. I think that's why we live in a world where one fifth of the kids these days don't even want to get married. 25% of adults are living together and they don't see the reason of getting married. Why would you commit to covenant if it's going to end in divorce or if it's going to end like this? And if it's going to have these things in it, maybe it doesn't even end in divorce. Maybe it's just two people existing and not thriving in their marriage.
0: Yeah. Not a lot to desire there unfortunately but your marriage has been different mm. and it is different and will continue to be different it's inspiring to me mm. thank you for telling us the first few chapters mm-hmm. can't wait to see what's next mm. clinton and charity what is your favorite thing about freedom from porn mm. you go
2: first can we go first yeah i think my my favorite thing is there's 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 new ways of dealing with undesirable circumstances. I think I'm able to see Jesus in a new light. I think I'm able to see charity in a new light. I don't know if I have one thing. She's no longer an object. She's no longer in the way. She's no longer somebody I need to hide things from. Jesus is no longer somebody that I don't understand. I feel like I didn't understand why he allowed me to go through that. And I've done a lot of work to, to grasp a little bit of that. And so one of my favorite things is the freedom of experiencing today. I mean, freedom is, it's like, what is, what is, what's the most thing you enjoy freedom? Freedom. <laughs> freedom to love. Freedom to be loved. Freedom to accept love from others. The freedom to accept love from Jesus. The freedom to be me. The freedom to, to be maybe... Maybe not included in everything because I'm different, but the freedom to say that's okay, like there are people that I do connect with, even if the, even if I'm not accepted by every person in the world that's okay. I don't need to medicate that anymore
1: Amen. I would say two things: one is seeing the man that I married and live him living out his full potential is like the best thing ever because. I would see glimpses of it in dating and marriage, but there's always something holding them back and being able to see him just thrive and be all that he's capable of is the biggest blessing. And then number two is just accepting the gift that our good heavenly father created for us. I mean, he literally, marriage was intended to be naked and unashamed. And that is the kind of marriage that we have today. We are naked and unashamed, meaning that we have complete intimacy where we both know each other's ins and outs and we are no longer hiding. We are no longer ashamed and we are vulnerable, transparent. We are seen and we are being validated in that, in our hurt and our brokenness. And we're still accepting each other and loving each other through it. There is, This has made us stronger you know, we have roots that are so deep now where things come our way and we're like, we look at each other and we say, we got this because we, we were able and we chose to go through one of the hardest, darkest seasons of our marriage. But we wouldn't have been able to get there if we didn't do that first. And so I now looking back, I'm grateful for what recovery put us through and who it allowed us to become. And uh, I'm just grateful for our marriage today. We have the most incredible marriage don't get me wrong. We still, we're not perfect. We still have little, you know, arguments and bitter, you know, little things that happen here and there, but that's what marriage is. It's two imperfect people, but you still Mm -hmm. choose to love each other regardless. So, yeah.
0: So for somebody who wants that kind of marriage Mm. and they're interested in working with you guys, what should they do?
2: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Thanks for asking that. Seriously. Thank you so much for letting us talk about that for a minute here. I know Terry's got it going, but I just, we basically are putting together right now what we feel is the most effective way to achieve that. And that is coursework with other couples who are willing to be vulnerable and transparent and talk about things and develop those intimacies. So we basically have designed three different courses for couples to go through, depending on where they're at. Course number one is all about couples who are in crisis Maybe they just found out about pornography use in their relationship and they don't know how to begin that journey. And so we take them through 12 weeks. Not a, It's not a porn-free program. It's not a betrayal trauma program. It's a program of how do you learn how to get through that journey together? How do you learn how to, how to, how to really communicate in that journey and what to expect along that journey of recovery? Recovery is going to be longer than 12 weeks, but it's a 12-week program preparing them for that journey and really giving them the best practices because a lot of us start off that journey. We're just lost. We don't know where to go. course, number two is for couples who are already in recovery and they don't know how to communicate their new discoveries. How do they support each other? How do they come alongside each other and and, and how how do they start rebuilding connection, start rebuilding those intimacies again and rebuilding what was lost from maybe unwanted behaviors or, or different kinds of crisis. We call that one crisis to closeness. And then the third, the third course we offer is for couples who don't even have a story of betrayal and, and are just going, I want my marriage to thrive. I don't want it to be in survival mode. I don't want to be roommates. I, our marriage is good. I'd give it a level five out of 10. But how in the world does it get to be a 10? And so we talk about developing emotional intimacy recreational intimacy putting joy back in that relationship talk about engaging intellectually having having a vision as a family and getting it to a place where we're no longer talking about remember when we were dating but now it's like that more part of experiencing a relationship today that's better than it ever was the best is yet to come
0: so whatever stage you are at there is more yes Mm -hmm. you can be restored to more if you're a ground zero, working through the rubble. Yeah. If you're going from crisis to closeness, or if you want to get yeah. your marriage to the best place it can be, yeah, yeah. Clinton and Charity are here to help. So thank you for being with us today, for telling your story, for offering hope, mm. and for being real. Thanks, it was an
1: honor. Thank you for having us. This was so great.
0: Yep, thank you so much. You're welcome. For everyone else out there, always remember you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well-pleased.